Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Kenny B with Black on the Prowl on WCUG Cougar Radio. Um, I'm here with my co-host. Y'all, you already know she girl love. And Melly Mel. And today we have a special to um, talk about uh, Black Lives Matter and everything going on. So we're joined by two important people with our university. We have Mr. Gregory Hudgetson, who is the Director of University Relations, and Ms. Jonay Roberts, who is the head of the Office of Diversity Programs and Services. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of the program. Yes, I'm um, so happy to be here. Thank y'all for inviting us. Thank you guys for being here. Definitely. Um, so we're just gonna, I have just a few questions to ask and we just um, go back and forth answering the questions and just kind of um, start off a uh, discussion. So the first one I have is, um, how do you feel uh, about the changes that have come from the Black Lives Matter movement so far? And what changes do you want to see? Um, well, I'll start. I think I'm very happy with the progress that is being made, especially because I know, at least in my family, sometimes I get the, oh, you millennials, y'all just sit around on your phone, y'all don't do anything. But I'm just so proud, I think, of our generation specifically and what they've been doing as far as the protests and the petitions and the way they have really said enough is enough and how they're just ready for change. And I just think it's so amazing that our generation has really pushed hard as far as trying to get our point across that, you know, now is time for change and we're no longer going to be complicit and we're no longer going to be silent. But I do believe also that, you know, more strides can be made. Systematic racism is a real thing. If nobody was aware of it before, even if you haven't experienced it, it is a real thing. And it is really affecting, you know, all aspects of life right now. But I do think it is amazing, not even so much African-American people, but also the allies as far as Hispanic people and even Caucasian people and, you know, every other race and how they have kind of become allies and how I feel like it's kind of making a lot of us stronger rather so than divided, which is how this all originated. Definitely. Um, I'll just jump in. One thing I've noticed on all different forms of um, and platforms on social media, so Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I've seen celebrities um, use their allyship because, you know, not everyone who's a part of the movement and who wants to support um, identifies as Black. So we have all of these different supporters come together and use their pl platforms where they may have 15 million followers or 3 million followers. They're jumping in and doing whatever that looks like for allyship. And then, the, you know, in the name of Black Lives Matter. My hope is once the, I, I'll call it the, the level of attention it's getting, once the protests are done, once the marches are done, that there's some real change we can see, whether it's change in, internally, whether it's in organizations, whether it's in companies, whether it's change in policy, that is my hope. And at the end of that, there's some real things, some real change that we can see that has been made because of it that will benefit all of us, not just people of color, but all of us in general, just to have a better relationship with each other. I think that's where the key is. Can we have some real conversations after this and see some real long-term change? Definitely. I would say, kind of going back to what um, Lauren was saying, um, 
this time around, I do feel like our generation took a bigger step than in the past because um, these recent, um, you know, police brutality cases are not the first. It's been going on for, you know, uh, many, many years, um, even longer than some of us were even alive. Um, and I will say that social media has played a role in making it more known, especially with like the Trayvon Martin case, which, which was one of the um, earliest ones that kind of blew up on social media. And I do really commend our generation on taking um, a more physical stand and not just doing the same, you know, hashtag this or hashtag that and just do that for like a week and then everybody just forgets about it. I feel like this time around, it has been a bigger push. And even as people have tried to fall off of it and start, you know, doing other things and not really focusing in on it, I think there is a strong, um, a, a strong presence of people who are still putting out like, don't forget that this is still going on, you know? And I feel like that, that is the biggest thing with um, at least this time, the, the movement is actually, you know, going somewhere different. I will say that um, as far as the changes coming about it, I personally am not entirely satisfied with what has been happening so far. I see a lot of companies that have been, um, they've been putting out that they like support the Black Lives Matter movement and they've been putting out different things to support um, and, uh, and we're going to get into it a second, a lot of celebrities and what they've been doing to um, show their support. But I feel that it really comes down to the systematic racism that's still present that is not really trying to budge. And that is when, you know, you have all these officers who still haven't gotten charged for um, these crimes, you know, and I feel like a lot of the stuff that is happening around it is kind of distracting. And a lot of people will end up falling off just because they think that more change is happening. Because when you go down your, your um, timeline and you see um, how they play Black Lives Matter on all these different streets and how people are marching in this, this, that, and the third, you think we're getting somewhere. But in reality, the bottom line what we're asking for is still not being met. So my real hope for the movement is that people just stay with it and um, really start striving for change. Um, I will say that one thing with the movement that has been kind of, um, I want to say, like, just distraught is um, planning. I think that we have, our, that our generation does have a lot of fire. And, I, and that's one thing that I really do love about, you know, everybody is that we have a, a, a burning passion to, you know, go out here and make a change. But one thing that we are missing is really like, you know, that leadership. When we look at the civil rights movement, we had people like Dr. King and, you know, um, Malcolm X, you had John Lewis. You had just, I can go on and on about all the people who are leading, you know, these marches and who are organizing. And I feel like right now we're missing that, you know, central person or that central group of people who are saying, okay, on this day, we're going to go do this and we're going to do it until this happens. I feel like a lot of the protests happening now are like, we're going to go sit on the Capitol from one to three and then there's going to be spoken word at three and then we're going to go home. But the way that the civil rights movement got changed on is they said, we're going to go on this diner that it might be whites only, and we're going to sit there until we're served. If we're not served, we're going to still sit there unless we're removed. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that kind of direction and that kind of leadership is what's missing in the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, Kenny, I, I definitely agree with you as far as I think that social media has definitely played a huge part in this, but I do think at certain times with this movement, the noise has kind of taken over um, the message that's trying to get across as far as, don't get me wrong, I think the strides that people 
and the strides that certain allies have made are great. You know, I think it's great that you guys want to paint the streets. And I think it's great that some people want to, you know, quit their jobs to give opportunity to minority people. And I think it's great that these companies want to, you know, put forth the effort to be allies towards minority people. But the issue I kind of get with that at certain times is, are you doing this because you care or are you doing it because it will negatively impact you if you don't? And that is the thing that I think needs, I think we need to have more focus on that as far as, you know, it's great when you say it when Atlanta news is showing that people have been protesting out there for a week and two weeks and it's national coverage every single day. It's great when you say stuff then, but I want you to say that three months from now when they're covering regular stuff and it's not on the news every day or it's not on your Twitter feed every day or it's not on your Instagram timeline every day. I want people, especially these big companies that, you know, they do the advertisements and they do the, well, we're gonna donate this amount of money and blah, blah, blah. I would like to see that same energy moving forward because that energy wasn't there until people were protesting and people were fighting in the streets and everything because they had had enough. And I don't want us to get to a point again where, you know, we get a little bit of something and we're cool and we're cool, calm, collected and we're silent for a little bit and then we're right back where we started. Cause that how, that's how history repeats itself. So I think it's really important to not let the noise distract from the message of the fact that you need to do better even when somebody's not watching. Um, I'll just jump in and I, there is, so I, I follow social media very heavily. Um, and what I will say is there have been people stepping down from certain things. Like I know um, some voice actors have been stepping down to allow African-American or other people of color to get certain roles. And what I will say is that, although, you know, even that is may seem like a small step in the beginning, that is still allowing for people of color to have a seat at the table. So that like companies, even though, you know, it seems very small, it's like, we have to start somewhere. So by having these people have a seat at the table and have been in the room, having discussions about how can we continue to propel the movement forward. Um, and just from social media, like, when everything happened um, in the beginning, you know, there was a lot of talk every day, it's on the news, and it hasn't necessarily been that currently, but when I go on my social media feeds, I'm still seeing that people are still protesting, people are still pushing forward and making, gaining that momentum. It's just not, of course, gaining that traction via media, but, you know, the, the idea and people are still fighting, they're trying to make stride and do things that way. Um. Personally, for me right now, it's really interesting hearing everything that's going on, like, from your perspectives, because for me, within my household, it's very divided at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm mixed, so it's surprising to me, because my mother, who is Caucasian, she's really for, like, the Black Lives Matter movement, but for my father's side, which he is, which he is African-American, uh, him and I have, had, have gone through some troubles, like, just standing, me standing my ground because he is a business owner, but where I'm located at the moment is a predominantly white area. And I feel like he caters, it, it's sad to say that he caters to like that, air, like to that because he won't stand for the Black Lives Matter movement yet he does in the household. So for me, it's like, how do I 
how do I push that onto him? I can't push that onto him. But at some point, like in the household, there has to be some understanding of this because you can't, I don't understand how he can raise his child, you know, to be proud of what she is, who she is, but yet tell his clients another thing. So that's something that's going on for me right now that has this whole thing has opened up like a little pocket in my life where what do I do how do I stand my ground within my own household if my own household won't stand with me perspectives well they don't know not pretending to know but I'm just speaking generationally um there's there's a different way to approach the same battle this is not a new fight I I don't want you guys to get disheartened It, it is a long time coming I am impressed. I love the fire that your generation has. And because we addressed it differently, it was just a different way to approach the same battle. Um, I have three sons, speaking on a personal level, not as an administrator of Columbus State University. So I've had these same conversations. What my goal was as a parent was to prepare them for this challenge, knowing it's a real challenge. Prepare how you deal with it. How do you deal with whatever situation you're in, whether it's business, whether you're dealing with law enforcement, whether you're dealing with anything else. And so it was a different way to address it. So that's the only reason I'm speaking from that generation, being older, being I'm sure old enough to be your parents, but um, it was a different way to address it. Um, But those different voices are all needed. I'm not saying there's a right way and a wrong way. There are enough battles to go around for all of us. Uh, but the challenge is how we approach it differently. So that may be, you know, as a business owner, he has to think about long-term. Um, if he, you know, offends clients and they don't come back, then he may have made his point, but he can't provide for you and his family. So that's a very real concern to have. So, but I understand the challenge of it. I would say um, as well that, um, because I look at everything holistically, I like to look at all sides of any situation. Um, before I start to like disagree with anybody, I want to understand why they might believe that um, that thing. I understand what you're saying as far as making sure that you um, just look at everything from everybody's perspective. You know, you know, you have to, like you say, you have to worry about the clients that you want to keep coming to your business. And I say that even for most business business owners, especially when um, things started to kick off with um, the protesting and there was a lot of riots and things going on. A lot of business owners were against that um, specifically because I know in Atlanta, at least, because I'm from Atlanta, a lot of black owned businesses actually ended up being affected by um, riots and looting, which was not, you know, the purpose of, you know, going out here. You can't fight for Black Lives Matter and go out here fighting for, you know, the black community. But then you unknowingly, you know, are destroying other black businesses. And um, when it comes down to the riots and things, that's a whole nother, you know, topic in itself as far as um, everything going on with that and how there are different people who say, you know, their um, instigators are going out and like putting things in place for, you know, different things to happen so they can be blamed and make it look like, you know, a peaceful protest turns bad and things like that. And then some people who might, some people actually just go out there, you know, after the protest happens, you know, they just go out there to start participating in uh, rioting and and looting and things of that nature. And I thought that's another thing that we have to look at is, and that's kind of going back to what I was saying as far as having, you know, a plan. You have to understand how you 
Um, and even going back with to Mayo's point, how your dad as a business owner, how can I support the Black Lives Matter movement um, so I can show my beliefs as well as, you know, plan accordingly so I don't offend anybody and I'm not hurting people who uh, might be helping me, you know? So I feel like um, that's part of what I was talking about as far as making sure that we're planning this thing out and that we have leaders in place that are trying to make sure that we're doing things tr strategically so that we're not, um, that we're not, you know, um, dimming our own flame, if you, if you um, kind of see what I'm saying, as far as kind of backtracking on the progress that we can make um, by, you know, making mistakes. So that's why I think planning is super important when it comes down to um, any, you know, movement or any kind of protest or, you know, stand up, standing up, um, any stance against um, anything that you're trying to fight for. Um, Kenny, I for sure agree with that. And I know you have a lot of other questions that you want to ask. I just wanted to touch really quick on what you said as far as understanding the other side. And I think, you know, literally almost every episode we have, we bring up communication and how communication is key. Communication makes the world go round. <laughs> and I think that specifically in what we're going through as a society right now could not be truer. Because I think, and communication goes both ways when you have to communicate as far as you have to know when to speak up for yourself and you have to communicate as far as you need to know when to fall back and when the time to listen is. Because I'll say even in my own personal life, my roommate that um, I had this past year, she is white. And, you know, we've, gone, we've grown really close and we're great friends and everything. We've been talking all summer. And when everything first happened, I felt a way about the fact that we hadn't had a conversation about it. Because I, I kind of felt like, you know, I know who you are as a person, but you lived with somebody who is black for a whole year. Your friends back home are black. Like some of your best friends are black. And it made me feel some kind of way that we hadn't had a conversation, but I had not communicated that. So when I finally communicated, I could understand her point of view as being a white ally and not knowing what to say in some situations or not knowing how to go about certain things. And needing to take the time as an ally to properly educate herself so that she knows what she can and what she can't say and how or what she feels for herself is okay to say and what's not okay to say and how she can be a better ally and how she can help you know the black lives matter cause so i think communication is really important right now with the people who are speaking up and expressing their grievances and the people who, you know, just need to listen and understand that point of view. Definitely. It's actually a quote from a play, um, actually, August Wilson. Um, I love some August Wilson. Where he says, <laughs> where, um, uh, it's um, in one of uh, Cutler's monologues, and he's talking about uh, slow drag. And he says, if you just quit hollering and wait a minute. And I feel like that's really important. A lot of people, um, there, a lot of people don't want to listen. And I feel like that's um, another problem we have is that people, no one wants to be wrong. Um, so a lot of people don't want to listen to your opinion. They don't want to listen to what you're thinking. They don't want to listen to your reason. They just want to keep talking. And I feel like that's a big problem that we have. And that if we fix that, we can get so much further. And, um, and I think going to the movement, like I said, uh, as far as having a leader, I feel like one of the reasons that we haven't, haven't, um, gotten one yet is that if someone does step up 
we can't, how can they be sure that people are going to actually listen to what they're saying and follow them? A lot of people want, it's, it's too many people who want to be a leader who don't know how to, and there's too many people who will follow anybody no matter what they are saying. And I feel like that's a real big problem that we have, um, that we have to fix if we really want to get somewhere with this movement. Um, I'm going to move on to our, one of our next uh, questions. I'm going to kind of put it together because we kind of already touched on it. Um, so what celebrity actions have been very important in kind of shaping the movement and um, as far as like seeing change happening? And then what um, impact has social media had on the movement as a whole? Um, well, I'll just touch on something that I recently saw that just made me feel really good about the strides people are making. Um, I'll say specifically Atlanta people, um, Portia Williams, who is a Real Housewife, a Real Housewives of Atlanta. She recently was arrested and initially was charged with a felony. She got arrested for protesting for um, Breonna Taylor. And I thought that that was just so courageous and so great for her, especially her being a public figure. And I've just seen so many things on her social media about, you know, signing petitions when the Atlanta marches were happening. She was out there marching and stuff in Atlanta and encouraged people to sign petitions and encouraging people to march and encouraging people to use their voice. And I think it's really great when people who have a platform like that are using it in a positive way. Like, you know, whatever, whatever you believe, whatever you don't believe, you know, use your platform to help somebody. Or if you're in a position like they are with, you know, millions of Twitter followers and millions of Instagram followers and people, you know, who watch you. And even I'll say I've been watching real, I'll be honest, I've been watching Real Housewives for a couple of years because my family members watch it. And, you know, I think she's one of those people that she sets an example for young girls, especially young black girls. And I think it's really great that those people who are in those positions where the younger generation is watching them and is watching what they're doing and is in a sense, hanging on to every word they're saying. I think it's great that they're using their social media and their businesses and their connections and their resources to help this movement. Um, yeah, so I've also, like I said, being in social media, so I've also been able to see that and just witnessing that is amazing. But I also um, love to think about the different ways people protest or how they support a movement because not everyone will physically go out um, to march with someone, but people will donate money. So some celebrities have been pushing like GoFundMe's or pushing different resources say hey so this is happening on this website you can sign a petition here you can donate money here to bail people out or what have you to help the movement in that way um and like i said i've seen some people just consistently mention different things um you know on social media you can fall down a rabbit hole go on one person's page and that leads you to another um so that's something that i did maybe like a couple weeks ago and just seeing the tons and tons of different posts on one celebrity's page, I'm like, okay, so maybe you're not out there protesting, but you're consistently putting things on your Instagram feed so that your followers, like every time they scroll, they will see this. So doing different things of that nature. 
Um, and one thing I've really been enjoying is celebrities, you know, some celebrities post when they are at a march, but for me, I always enjoy when they may not necessarily post that they're going to be somewhere, but you see them in pictures and they didn't highlight it anywhere. So they're like um, a part of the movement, but in silence, even, you know, get that, um, so garner attention that way. But it's, um, I think it's just overall, like there's so many different ways to protest or to be a part of the movement and show your um, allyship. So uh, that's been really significant for me. Yes, I would say that um, I agree. And I, I, going back to something that you said um, earlier, Ms. Roberts, um, about how um, a lot of uh, voice actors were um, kind of stepping down from, from roles and things of that nature. Um, that's the kind of thing that I really was thinking about as far as you know action that people have been taking. Um, being an actor myself, you know, there's been a, um, because I follow a lot of pages that are about, um, you know, theater and um, film and things of that nature. So I've seen a lot of celebrities um, and even uh, directors that have been, you know, opening up about different uh, practices within the industry. Um, I watched a video of China Ann McLean talking about how she was asked to do different things in certain roles um, because she was black and the white writer would think that a black person would say this. And I've seen a lot of other celebrities opening up about things like that because that happens as well um, in the industry. So I feel like uh, celebrities just opening up about, you know, the systematic racism that exists um, for them. Like they're not exempt from it either, you know. And I feel like them opening up about that has been very important for people to understand that this affects everybody, you know. Um, nobody's above this. Um, and like you said, with people going out protesting, I've seen so many celebrities out there protesting with regular people. Um, they're not trying to be out there just showing off like they're just, you know, doing it as like a publicity stunt. They're out there, like you said, they don't post about it, they might just show up. And I feel like that's very important to show that these are real people and they're fighting for real change that affects everybody. And, and another thing I say is that they don't call them influencers for no reason. So social media has been really huge and people getting their message out. Like you said, people who have um, 15 million followers and two, 20 million followers, when they're posting things, their followers look at that and they, um, they look up to these people. So they, if they say something, then these people who follow them, they listen. And I feel like that's an important position to have as you know, an influencer online. And it's a lot of power to have to be able to you know, really say something and people just believe that so you have to be careful with what you say, you know, and I feel like a lot of celebrities have been being very um, systematic with, you know, what they post and what messages they're putting out there to make sure their followers are hearing the right message so they can, you know, do the right thing as far as fighting against um, systematic racism and police brutality and going out protesting and all that, everything of that nature. Um, one thing I will say is about social media, and I, and I said something about this earlier, is that uh, this time around, I feel like we have been doing a lot better because in the past, social media has been the only platform of, pro of protesting. And I feel like because this time we are doing more, like I said, people are donating, people are out there actually marching. I feel like that's very important because it's not just a hashtag that lasts for a couple of weeks. It's continuously going on. And the hope is that we don't have to continue to fight. You know, uh, the hope is that we achieve, you know, some type of, success and that um, there were, this isn't all in vain. This isn't just going to be an endless fight that we continue to fight for years and years and years that at some point, you know, it gives and people realize that you shouldn't be, you know, discriminated against because of the color of your skin or because of 
um, your sexuality or because of um, your religion, any other, you know, thing that separates people. And we can just realize that we're all here together and we need to be in this together. Um, so the hope is that, you know, through social media and through, you know, actively protesting, that we can bring an end to all this division that we have in this world. Well, and that, uh, Kenneth, to me, brings to the point of, you know, Janae's office. To have a longer-term impact, we all have to say, it's great the celebrities are using their platform, but what are you doing where you are? What are you doing in your hometown? What are you doing in your organization? What are you doing in your own community? That, to me, has the longer-term effect after those influencers drop followers. That becomes a more important issue. And I mentioned that because Janae's office with the services that we provide, I'd love to see more students involved in things and having conversations on campus to actually say, how can we change where we are? I think that has the longer term effect. Use the platform, use the timing because everybody's on it right now. And you know, social media obviously is a game changer for all of that. And you as communicators know the impact of it. But when it comes down to how do we continue it? How do we continue to make change, to make sure we're being inclusive, to make sure we have the type of campus we want to have and the type of community we, we want, we have to continue to keep having those conversations. And that means involvement at your local level as well. Yeah, um, definitely. Thank you for so much for mentioning that. Within our office, we offer so many um, different trainings that we can go into the classroom and um, go into the classroom, RSOs, or student organizations. Um, we do presentations on implicit bias, so we can talk about unconscious bias and what that looks like, because that could be um, affecting people overall. We talk about cultural competency, um, LGBTQ+. We want to make sure that by the time students leave Columbus State, they're well-rounded. So what does that look like? How can we create these leaders? We're talking about having leaders um, on this bigger scale, but where does that start? So y'all definitely can utilize diversity programs and services. We have our diversity peer educators who are also doing some of the work as well, who go out there. And um, that actually can lead us into our um, next question, which is how can we work to make CSU a more inclusive uh, place? And I will say that CSU is already doing a great job compared to many uh, universities um, with, you know, diversity and um, inclusion being like one of our pillars um, that we, you know, you know, advertise the, the university on it, that we that the university kind of lives by, you know, is diversity. So um, what can we do as, you know, students and uh, faculty to help make the university more, you know, inclusive? Because there are areas where, you know, growth, because, you know, we can always grow. Um, so how do we, you know, um, improve in those areas? Well, I'll, you know, going back to what Janae was saying in her office and the efforts we make there, I think the key is, is being okay with having some of the conversations we need to have. I, I think in order to improve, when we say include, you know, and in, you know, including people and not and bringing in diversity, we also have to be careful that we're not excluding others when we do that. Um, and so that becomes the challenge there. But from students, you all are students here. We'd love to hear from you all. What's some of the ideas that you have? You know, it is it is your investment as well. Our job here is to be, honestly, is to be a resource to you, is to say, how can we help you? Is there a conversation you want to have? Is there a talk? Is there a poetry reading? And it's going to take a combination of things because the goal is to bring more people to the table and, and not to, as they say, circle a wagon and shut people out. In order to make that happen, 
you have to be more inclusive about being inclusive, if that makes sense. You have to, it has to be an effort. It's not going to happen by accident. And so as students, you know, I would love to hear from you all through Janae's office. What are some of the things we can be doing to improve that? Because we're all better when we do that. The university's better, the campus community is better, and our community is better when we do that. So I'd love to hear from some of you all, some of the ideas you all have. Um, one thing that I do like that you said was being okay with having those conversations, because there are a lot of hard conversations to have when it comes down to um, race relations and um, really any kind of um, discrepancy between different you know, groups of people. It's a hard conversation to have. And I feel like we have to be okay with having those because they are needed. So we have to be okay with having those conversations and being able to open up about how we feel about things and being able to open up about um, our view because the thing is someone else may not know how it is for you until you tell them. So we have to be able to open up and communicate. And we, and we say that all the time um, on the show, communication is key. If you don't tell people how you feel about a situation, they won't know how you feel about it and they won't do anything to change it. So I feel like we have to really start communicating. And that's why I'm really glad that we're having um, the talk it's going to be um, this fall, the event that's being put together by a couple of CSU students. So we can, you know, have a space to have, you know, a talk about these situations and these issues that we have um, within our community um, and our campus community. Okay, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about, um, so I put up a few questions on Instagram and on my Snapchat, uh, specifically towards like the CSU students. And one of the things that did come up about getting more involved in campus was like they felt as if there was a divide between the main campus and the downtown campus and I feel like I feel like for me personally I had the I had the privilege of living on both campuses my first year just because some complications personally but um I did feel like downtown I lost a little bit of the main campus unless I went there for a class or I went there to go eat with my friends there, I feel like it needs to come together more because both campuses are so unique and so different and so beautiful in their own ways. But I feel like they lack like knowing about each other when they're supposed to be like, you know, related, like <laughs> kind of in a way. Yeah, Mel, I def I would say for me personally, I agree with that assessment in the fact that I had maybe two or three classes on main campus my whole freshman year. And I'll be honest, if I hadn't had friends over there and I think that if I hadn't, you know, made sure I made the effort to be like, let me go and hang in their dorm and spend time with them, you know, in between classes or whatever, I probably would have been downtown a lot more than I would have been on main campus. And I do agree that, you know, we should work towards creating event, more events and everything that would unite both campuses you know, not just always doing stuff on main campus and not just doing stuff downtown. Because I think a lot of students are kind of like, well, downtown is just for the theater students or the music students or the art and nursing students. And then main campus is for everybody else that doesn't identify with those groups. And it shouldn't be like that. It should be, you know, downtown is just downtown campus and main campus is just main campus. And we really should be united in, you know, I'm not downtown because I'm this or I'm that, or I'm not main campus because I'm this or I'm that. Yes, I do feel like the uh, campus separation is a um, level of divide we have within our campus 
that isn't talked about a whole lot. Um, and mm-hmm. I feel that it's something that doesn't need to be fixed. Um, with SGA, I'm the uh, vice president of Scholastic Affairs. And one of my main uh, priorities is planning different uh, events that are sponsored by the Student Government Association. And I do plan to bring a lot more of those downtown. Um, but one thing that I will say with that separation, um, and I think that this has been brought up before, is that a lot of people look at main campus as being like, almost like a HBCU kind of. And that's where a lot of the black students hang out. And that's where a lot of black students, you know, are active. While downtown, that's where more of the white students are active. That's where you might, you'll find more, you know, white students. And I feel like that's another thing that we have to kind of nip in the bud because just looking at the three of us, you know, we're all um, downtown students for the most part. Um, even though, like, Mel, you said you live on our uh, main campus, and I yes. just like you. <laughs> I just like you. I um, lived on main campus first semester, and I lived downtown second semester. And it was a different um, culture. It was different people. And I feel like we have to open people up to the idea of coming downtown for things and going to main campus for different things. Because mm-hmm. both have very, like, different environments. I mean, I built a family on both campuses, but at the same time, like, after moving to main campus and going back downtown, you can really see the difference because I feel like like you're, when you're stuck and you're comfortable in a spot like for so long, once you switch and come back, it's so foreign to you, especially like, I mean, take for instance, for some of us, uh, well, basically all three of us who we were first years, you know, we had that taste of freedom like when we were home, when we were at school and then we got home, you know, it's, it's foreign because it's like, okay, now you brought back the rules and stuff like that. Right. That was kind of like, <laughs> that was kind of the bounce for me when I, when I did hang out with like my friends that were downtown, it was very different when I hung out with my friends on main campus and coming back, like I had to adjust to being there. So it was like, Hmm, there is, there's a big difference. But like I said, I enjoyed both campuses. I just wish they knew about each other more. That, that's how I feel. Well, that, that conversation, I've been here uh, three years. And I promise you that conversation takes place on a regular basis when events are planned. And Kenneth, with your role, uh, we'd love to have more conversations about how do you bridge that gap? Because that conversation, like I said, in planning events to where right now, a lot of times what we're doing is planning events, the same event on two different days on both campuses. That's, That's the process we're using right now because some will say if it's on one campus, either the time or day or where it is, I can't get there. And so what the administration is doing and what Student Affairs is doing, I'll give them credit, they're doubling up on those events and having the same event sometimes twice to be able to accommodate that. Now, is the bigger challenge is, is having it once and forcing one community to come to the other one? That's a conversation for you all as students to have and see where, where do we take it. So, you know, the administration's open to that, open to that conversation. Yeah, and I definitely think, you know, we as students too, like, you know, we got to make the effort to, you know, get to know each other more and unite more. Like, you know, Kenny is in a big leadership position now. And Kenny and I also do theater of color that's downtown, which, you know, that's not even just for theater students. That's not even just for black students, you know, like we encourage any student that, you know, want to come and participate and educate themselves on what we do as far as bettering Black students and Black people in our theater community. But I definitely think, you know, 
administration and students alike, we got to work together. You know, communication is key. We'll probably say that this whole episode, <laughs> but we have to use that communication to bridge both campuses. Definitely. Um, does anybody else have any remarks as far as uh, the campus divide? If not, um, we can go on into our last point as far as the Black Lives Matter movement. And that is, we all know that, you know, we have uh, the pandemic going on with the um, virus and that is causing a lot of um, issues for people. So what I'm wondering is how you guys feel that the pandemic is affecting the movement and how can we navigate around that? Um, I will say from some of the protests that I have seen, I'm very happy that a lot of people who were in protests were wearing masks. I'll say that first of all, because masks are, in my opinion, very vital right now as far as the pandemic. And I think especially, you know, back in June, when so much was going on and the marches and everything were first happening where I was even sitting and watching the news with my family and we're like, yo, they're doing so much coverage on the protests and the riots and everything, which is great. But we were all sitting there and we're like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like we haven't heard, we didn't hear anything about the pandemic or COVID-19 for like a week. And I was like, well, are there cases? Are there not cases? Like there was so much coverage on one thing that there wasn't a whole lot of time to go into coverage about the other thing. And now I think it's, it's like going back and forth. Also, especially on my social media and like my Twitter and everything, it's back and forth. Like half of my Twitter feed is, you know, the mass situation and the rising cases and everything. The other half is systematic racism and how allies can do better and how we can do better as, you know, a black community and everything. And it's just, it's a lot, is what I would say. It's definitely been a lot trying to navigate through two of the biggest things that I think we've had to deal with in a very long time. And I'll say 2020 itself has just been a lot. Um, <laughs> I agree with that. 2020 has been a year. <laughs> um, I would say, honestly, I feel like with everything that's happened with COVID-19, as well as the movement, I feel like it's been um, it's been making people be more creative. People have been people have been going out and marching peacefully, wearing their masks. But people have also been utilizing social media in a way I don't think I've seen before. They've been utilizing TikTok and making these creative videos to inform folks because they know they have like a large audience on TikTok. Some people go to Twitter and have like Twitter threads. People are going to Instagram. People people are making different types of um, thinking about like they go on Canva and make like creative things and share it. So I feel like people are just, they're still being resourceful, but um, with COVID you have to be more creative. So they're using the knowledge they have, they're learning how to do things, picking up new skills and still moving forward. So they're still getting information out. It just looks a little differently. I just think that that's an obvious benefit when you talk about social media. The pandemic has forced people to be a lot more creative and imagine if you didn't have Zoom or you didn't have other platforms of social media, the challenge you would face on top of that. So I think it's just, uh, I guess, an opportunity for people to be more creative on different platforms and not just depend on traditional media to help get their story out. Yes, I will say that social media has played a huge part in um, continuing to keep this movement alive. 
um, because, like I said, it's super important people are going out and physically protesting to show that we, you know, stand for something. And it's not, like I said, just a hashtag that's going to disappear in a couple of weeks. And that's why I love that there's so many people who are sticking with, you know, this movement. And even though it's, you know, months into it that people are still posting about it, people are still reposting about it. And they're not, you know, letting the conversation die down. One thing that I love to see is that um, with uh, Breonna Taylor specifically, I've seen a lot of posts where people might put a post up where it looked like it's a post about nothing like it usually is on social media. And then at the end they say, and charge the people who killed Breonna Taylor because the conversation still goes on. And I love to see people continuing to keep this conversation alive. Um, I think a huge part of the, of, um, I, I do think, as you said, 2020 has been a year that has not been like other years. We have to deal with two huge issues at the same time. And the country is divided in so many ways right now because you have the divide between, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and then you have people who, you know, may be against that. Then you have this whole tear between people who want to wear masks, people who don't want to wear masks, and people who want the city to open back up people who want everything to stay closed. So it's a, a whole bunch of division right now. So that's why I think it's so important that we try our best to stick together because it's too much. This pulling people just in all different ways, dividing people left and right. So we must stick together if we really want to get through this, you know, challenging time right now. Yeah, and I would say, I think as far as the pandemic goes, I think one of the things that, you know, I try to practice, at least in my personal life, is, you know, with that, I don't care what color you are. I don't care what your sexuality is. I don't care what your religion is. I don't care about any of that. Because at the end of the day, what I want is for me to be safe and you to be safe. That's my only concern as far as the pandemic is going. I just want everybody to be safe. And I just want everybody to, you know, be okay. Cases are you know, rising in number, more people are getting sick and everything. You know, I've said it on here before, my mom works in a hospital. She's dealing with kids coming in every day with that. You know, it's not just, you know, senior citizens. It's not just our generation. It's not just little kids. It's everybody. So with the pandemic, the important thing is, you know, just, just do your part. You know, you want to stay safe for yourself go that extra mile to, you know, help somebody else stay safe. And as far as, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's going on as a society, communication is key. If you are not um, African-American, whether you're Hispanic or Latino or Caucasian, whatever you identify as or whatever you are, um, education is important. Education is important as a Black person, and education is important as every other race. We have to educate ourselves on what's going on in our world, because if we don't understand what's going on around us, we're not going to be able to fix the issues that we see. So I think it's really important that in both aspects of both of those things that's going on, we really need to make sure that, you know, we're educating ourselves and we're educating each other. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the another thing that came up in the polls and the anonymous polls is somebody asked how how do I go about educating myself? Everybody's saying I need to be educated, but how do I go about that? How do I find my own personal journey in educating myself on this topic? So, 
do you have any advice for that person on how to educate themselves yeah um yeah so i always i love to uh, tell my folks my facebook friends google is free um in literally <laughs> any topic um because diversity is it's just so so broad so literally if I want to pick any topic. I can type that topic in and say the history of racial tensions and something will come up. Um, people have been doing a lot, like I said, um, as far as um, people have been using social media as a tool to educate folks. So I could go on to, um, Instagram right now and I can type in, let's see, um, I could probably type in BLM and see what comes up and I can click on those different things and literally scroll and educate myself on what started this movement. Um, how can I be a better ally? What does allyship mean? Um, there is social media literally makes so many things easier, but even if I'm not using social media, I can go on Google and type in what is allyship? Um, how can I be an ally? Um, how can I support? Because just because you're not a member of a certain community and this extends far beyond race, you can still, if I'm not a member of a certain community, how can I still support them? Um, so I've been using Google, I've been reading Facebook posts, um, and sometimes, and again, I always love to say that it is not someone else's job to educate you. You can have a conversation if someone is open to it, but you know, you wanna also take in information that you find. But if you see something on Facebook and you may want to go to someone's inbox and say, hey, I really wanna have a conversation on this. Can we talk about it? Um, you know, to make sure and say, I don't mean this in an offensive way, I'm really wanting to learn more. Can you provide some resources? So there's a, there's a number of ways to, you know, gain more knowledge, to be informed. You just really have to look. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Janae. It, it's gonna take a little bit of effort. And I understand how huge social media is and following and sharing and Instagram. But I think at a certain point, you've got to go to the source of that information. Please don't trust what people are always sharing. Because by the time it starts and it ends up being shared 500 times, it's a different message. And also part of it is, believe it or not, having an actual conversation with someone that's different than you. That's how I have learned over the years. And sometimes it works where you can honestly say, hey, there's something I don't understand. Help me understand a perspective on that or your perspective. Or why do you feel that way? And, and the key to communication, you have to remember the best way to communicate is to listen. That's the critical part. And that doesn't mean you're gonna to try to change this person or this person gonna to try to change you. But you have to be willing to at least hear the other side. Because even if you think that person's wrong, you need to understand their point of how they got there and where their sources of information are as well. And so that's the key is to try to move that and educate yourself is to hear from people who you don't agree with. Intentionally do that. I agree. And I also want to add, um, as we talk about sources, look and see where those sources are from. Um, some things are satire. Some sources are very skewed one way or the other. So it's important to, while you're looking at sources, look at multiple sources. So you can come to your own conclusion from those sources. Don't just look at one thing and just like, okay, this is what I'm going with. Continue to read on those subjects. Yeah, and I'll say I definitely agree with the statement, Google is free. I, I have had to make that statement very clear in my personal life recently because 
I think it's important, especially for allies to understand just because you are friends with somebody does not mean that one is their job to educate you or two that they're necessarily automatically going to be comfortable having certain conversations with you. So I definitely think that, you know, not just social media, but Google, like get online and really research and understand because not everybody is willing to have certain conversations. You know, I'll say for me, I know my camera is not on right now, but I have vitiligo. So as far as the whole talk with racism and everything, I've heard it from both sides, not just as a Black woman, but as a Black woman who has vitiligo. So I've heard it from both sides alike as far as Caucasian people, and I've heard it from my own fellow African-Americans. And I'll even say I had, with that, I had to get to a point of being comfortable having a conversation about it when I needed to, and being comfortable letting people know, I don't feel like I need to educate you on this. And I don't feel like I need to tell you X, Y, and Z about it because I'm not the spokesperson for it. Just like, you know, we're having this open discussion about it, but we're not the spokesperson. We're not the spokespeople for the African-American community. We don't speak for every Black person. And just because you're African-American, all people are diverse. All African-Americans are diverse because there are some African-Americans that I agree with on certain things and there are some that I don't agree with on certain things. So you have to educate yourself on certain things. And if yet yeah, communication is key. If somebody is comfortable having a conversation with you about something, that is great and definitely be open to having that open dialogue. But if not, you know, then don't take somebody not being comfortable having a conversation with you as an excuse to not educate yourself. Definitely. I think that education is super important, especially right now, as a lot of people are stuck at home. It gets to a point where you watch everything on Netflix twice, you played all your video games three times, and you have nothing else to do. So you can pick up a book and you can read it. Like you said, Google is free. You can research all types of topics. When you see Instagram, we'll check the facts. And um, like I said, holistically, so it is important that when you are looking up certain, you know, things in history and th certain things about different people, different people's perspectives, it is important that you are looking at both sides of, you know, the story. Because, it, like you said, like um, Mr. Hutchinson said, you have to talk to people who you may disagree with because it's important to understand why they have that belief. And you won't, you won't know unless you ask them, you know, why do you believe that? And then you look up, you know, information about that side of that argument you know it's like when um i know when I, in high school we had competitions um for um in, um extemporaneous speaking where you have to um, speak on a topic but you didn't know if you had to speak that you were for it or if you were against it so you had to research both sides so you can be prepared be prepared for either debate so i think that's very important that you're looking up you know all sides of the story um this has been a really great conversation. Again, I want to thank um, Mr. Hutchison and Ms. Roberts for joining us. You guys have put in a very um, great perspective into this conversation, and I think a lot of people will be able to learn from it. Um, and I also want to just thank, you know, my, my own uh, cast of co-hosts for, you know, joining in because we are on hiatus. 
um, but we have, you know, came together to put this together um, with everything going on right now. Um, we do ask that, you know, you, we hope that you guys enjoy this um, special episode of Black on the Prowl. And we want you guys to join us when we come back in August for our regular weekly programming. Um, but without further ado, again, we want to thank you for joining us and have a nice day. Bye. <laughs> Black on the Prowl was produced with the cooperation of the student staff of 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio and the CSU Department of Communications Department Chair, Dr. Gibson. Dr. Bruce Getz is WCUG's faculty advisor. You can listen to this show and other shows on 88.5 FM, TuneIn, or SoundCloud. Just search our call letters WCUG.